Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Weimar. Uh, today I'm with Richard, it's uh, Coots, right? Did I get it wrong this yeah. time? Coots, no, no, okay. We did talk about your name before we, we started. Uh, he's the creator of MVVM Plus. Uh, he's here to talk about his package and also uh, MVVM. As I mentioned him earlier, I don't really understand too much about MVVM. So I'm here to learn myself. Uh, welcome, Richard. How are you? Thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, we were talking a little bit about your, your past, right? I think it's good to kind of let people know, you know, who you are, right? Now, were you a programmer all your life or, you know, when did you get into I was, it? yeah. So it, in, I, had, I think I had the common experience where in high school, they kind of brought in some some computers and I just, just gravitated towards them. Um, we bought a Commodore 64. I'm going to date myself. Uh, and for our home computer and just like a lot of developers just kind of just loved it. Um, so started coding at a young age and then um, went to university. And then around when I entered the, um, the professional world, uh, C and C++ were kind of coming of age. So uh, I, I just gravitated towards that. Uh, and and just loved it. Um, you working with object oriented programming and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I I always gravitated towards graphics. I just loved anything visual that I could write code and then have it splash on the screen. Um, I did some kind of uh, graphics engine low level stuff with OpenGL and C plus plus and wrote a three D graphics engine. Um, that I developed a video game with, and it also had some 2D components. Uh, so enjoyed that, but more than that, I, I liked working with graphics APIs where somebody else did the hard part and I could just more quickly work with an API and, and, and write stuff. Um, so that was, I think, really the first kind of half of my career. Um, the Flutter part, happened uh, as we chatted a little bit about um, three years ago where I was looking to get into mobile and I was uh, listening to an Angular podcast and one of the guests talked about Flutter. And at that point, Flutter, uh, React Native and Angular were kind of dominating the the mobile world for cross-platform and Flutter was kind of the, the new kid on the block. And when I heard that Flutter had its own graphics engine. Uh, I was all in at that point. I, that was all I had to hear. Um, I had worked with cross platforms that use the native like widget libraries, and and in my opinion, they they always they they it's some remarkable tech. But at some point, they get they get a little messy when they have to um, cross platform to all these other native uh, API libraries and. And and the thing about Flutter is, it's it, they own the whole graphics engine, so if things get messy, they can just clean it up. Like they they own everything. So, so that was three years ago, and I've I've never looked back since. I mean, like when you were started programming, like when you were really young, were you what what kind of languages were you actually using though? Oh, just like basic and just kind of really simple stuff. Um, I early in my career, I didn't have a lot of guidance, like. Like no, like I, I don't come from a programming family. Uh, the, I the, I can remember the high school teacher saying about halfway through the semester that I officially now knew more than she did on computers. So to go to me for questions on, for the other kids to go to. Um, but I was honestly just kind of fumbling through and just trying to figure stuff out. It wasn't until like, I want to say even like, like into the, like in the nineties and the two thousands when when patterns start, the pattern language was released and people started getting more, more vocal about good architecture and what that means today. I mean, you're writing code when you're younger, right? Is this something that you, when you started doing it, were you like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or are you just kind of just having fun or, or what? I, no, well, it was. Um, and particularly like a lot of young people was trying to write, write games, write video games. And so on our little Commodore 64 is trying to do some 3D stuff and and, um, and I, yeah, so it was just, I wanted to write video games. Um, so I, I went to university, I ended up, um, I come from a, a long line of electrical engineers and was kind of 
pushed into the electrical engineering or encouraged to pursue that. So I actually have a, a master's in um, uh, electrical engineering with a, a focus on electromagnetics. But when I got into the field, I was quite relieved that uh, pretty much all engineers or programmers these days are. And um, so I ended up working for a company outside of Boston called MITRE and doing um, radar system analysis and writing C and C++ to, to simulate radars and do um, signal processing and things like that. So I used to, at the time, I used to joke that I was a, a software developer pretending to be an electrical engineer because I just, I, I just love the software part. But I mean, from basic to C, C++, I mean, that's a huge jump, right? It's really quite different. Well, it is, but um, like a lot of uh, engineering programs, they, I was taught uh, C in, in my undergraduate development. So when I got to the company, they were using, they were older developers, so they were all using Fortran, uh, Fortran 77 to be specific. So I was like the new kid and uh, brought in C and C++ and started kind of teaching people that and, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean... How did you feel? Because uh, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, Dart is, it's actually a pretty fast language when you compile it um, because it goes basically, you know, quote unquote native, uh, but it's a garbage collected language like, you know, with C. I mean, that there's a lot of stuff with it. Would you, do you feel like such a headache to like keep, you know, control of memory and pointers and all those kind of things? Uh, no, I, I think it's, it, it's not easy for sure. And you get some, some pretty nasty bugs that, become challenging to track down but but no I, I kind of i kind of like that part i liked being a little close to the metal and having pointers that you could kind of increment through memory and and doing all that that kind of fun stuff um i will say one of the your comment about dart back in the 90s when i was hitting c++ pretty hard i didn't realize in hindsight i i, I know it but at, at the time i was uh, wanting for Dart and Flutter. I was asking questions like, oh, so I was fluent in C++, but then I want to write like a script or something to do some file management. And I would say like, why can't I write this in C++ and have it like managed, like write it and run it as a managed program or at least like a reduced version of C. Why can I only compile C++? Like, why can't I run it as a managed language? And then... um and then I did some, the cross-platform was pretty non-existent at the time. And so I did some, uh, the equivalent of Unix development. And then somebody said, you know, we got to port this over to uh, Windows. And I just could not believe the different environment that it was. And I'd say, why can't I just take this whole library and run it on Windows? Like, why, why is this stuff so married to um, the, the platform it was developed on and being compiled? And then, so fast forward three years ago, when I heard of, that was one of the things I loved about Flutter was that, they, you know, as I said, they have the going graphics engine that ports. And then I said, okay, I'm going to learn Flutter. What's the language? And I expected it to be like C Sharp or maybe JavaScript. And I heard it was Dart. And I was like, what, I, I, what is this Dart language? And why do I have to learn a new language? I just kind of want to use something I already know. But I had the experience that a lot of developers coming to Flutter have, which is they're productive on the first day that they use Dart. And now, now I just love Dart. Um, I just want to kind of use it for... For everything, um, for all the kind of reasons we talked about, you can compile it, you can run it as a managed language, and and um, yeah, and I, I don't I don't miss having to do the garbage collection. Oh yeah, and not to mention, like you said, all the hard to track bugs. I mean, uh, just just kind of a of a question: Have you taken a look at Rust before, or no? I have not. Um, I've kind of, I get the, the feeds in my newsfeed about it. It sounds amazing. Like if I, if I wasn't so uh, married to Flutter and Dart right now, so in love with Flutter and Dart, I, that would be the language I'd be looking at right now. And I, I, I've been reading that they're moving it into like the Linux kernel and which, which so, so I, I had been using C++ right up until, uh, you know, a little over three years ago. And 
it's a hard language. Like it's been, they have the standard environment that, or the standard uh, library that goes with it. So learning C++ is just the beginning. And then there's all this kind of add on stuff and it's not a friendly dev environment. Um, and, and the tooling is not anywhere near as good as like Flutter's tooling. And I, that was honestly one of my frustrations about C++. So they felt like the tooling and the documentation could have been better, but I also felt like all the people using C++ were old and kind of n either knew what it was or knew like the workarounds or the documentation or whatever. So it, there wasn't a lot of incentive from the C++ community to kind of up their game. Uh, but who knows, maybe that rust is on the scene. Maybe they, maybe they will a bit. Yeah. I mean, the reason I asked is because you said like those hard to track dumb bugs. I mean, supposedly with rust, you can't do a lot of those. I mean, I think those are usually like, when you say hard to track down bug, you're talking about like concurrency things like locks and, you know, I'm kind of curious about what kind of hard to track down bugs you're talking about. Yeah. Race conditions. And, and also if you're, you know, if you're using a lot of pointer logic, then you can wind up in parts of the memory you don't belong or, or overwriting memory that and corrupting memory, that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, that's that's a sounds like all things that Rust should guarantee against. So that's pretty interesting. That's why I was kind of curious if you ever took a look at it, and uh, it's it's good to hear that you've heard of it. Um, maybe sometime you could check it out. And I've actually seen quite a lot of benchmarks between Dart and Rust, like in terms of speed. Like I thought that's quite interesting that Dart can be so fast. I, I haven't seen. Yeah, you just type down like Dart versus Rust performance, and you'll find quite a few kind of micro benchmarks and stuff and sometimes supposedly according to the benchmark dart is faster which i thought was a little bit interesting yeah um so yeah i, I can't imagine it could be much more performant considering that you there's a garbage collector and dart that i understand compared to rust right yeah it sounds amazing have you actually played around with dart outside of flutter or you just only use dart and flutter i've done just kind of a little uh i have a friend that teaches at a the Nova Scotia Community College, and um, we were having some conversations on data structures. So I just wrote some little kind of standalone Dart um, tests for um, data structures and how that might be used. Um, he and I have been talking about maybe using, I, I love the conversations about, like in Twitter, people ask quite a bit about what should be your first computer language. And I don't, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's a hard question to answer because every every language has its own strengths um so it, i guess it i guess part of the answer has to be like what what strength are you looking for um but in terms of just understanding computer architecture and and modern languages i think dart's a great first language to to learn so so yeah he and i were having that conversation so i was kind of putting some stuff together Hmm, Dart is the first language. I don't know if I can, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I learned C++ is my first language and well, yeah, I learned a little bit of JavaScript before, but really learn a language, I would say C++. And I don't think that's an easy language to teach anybody. I mean, <clears throat> people are used to Excel, right? So how can you tell somebody, no, no, you have to declare what's in that, you know, quote unquote cell, right? Compared to <laughs> just typing or whatever. So like, once you introduce types and forcing people to have types, I feel like it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know, as I said earlier, like every language has its strengths. And I and I agree if your if your objective is to really get into the nuts and bolts of programming and and then C C and C C plus plus are great languages to start. Um if you're looking just to get something on a screen fast and kind of learn the basics, then then uh, Dart wouldn't be a, a bad place to start too. Oh, well, now are you saying Dart or Flutter, right? Because I think to see something on the screen, Flutter would be more so. Like that's be a little bit more clear just in case. Yes, yes, Dart and Flutter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and then it kind of reminds me of like what you said before, like, oh, maybe I can kind of go in this direction. When you're teaching programming or when you're first starting to get programming, even when you're programming now, you want to see stuff, right? So with a language like Dart, and it's awesome framework like Flutter, you can kind of see stuff, right? I mean, rather than just typing and having to do a bunch of print statements, you can actually see something and it becomes more real, right? Especially with nowadays, it's like everything on your phone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
and and as 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 all the Flutter listeners know, Flutter is great for that. Um, yeah, and I, and I guess I guess to the to, and when I when I sent said see things on the screen, I guess I wasn't referring specifically to graphics things. I was more just something working, even if it's just like a CLI text space app. And um, I, I I've done some a little JavaScript along the way, and I, I honestly never understood JavaScript. It was just very. It was, you'd, I'd nobody on how to do understands JavaScript. <laughs> I just want to say nobody <laughs> understands it. It's always the yeah. weirdness. Okay, and and I guess that's where that's Dart strength. I think Dart's pretty clear. And when you when you go to do something, there's maybe a couple ways to do it, but uh, yeah. And and I would say the Flutter. So I came to Flutter like a little over three years ago from a from kind of a C plus plus kind of close to the metal background. And I didn't have like a React Native background or any like a like a uh, a web background. And I I didn't find Flutter particularly easy. I mean, there's a lot of concepts that you have to wrap your head around, like the the three widget trees that Flutter has and that it, that the API is declarative, but the um, Dart is not. Um, it's imperative, and so it took me a while to kind of get really just the basic concepts down. Um, so whenever I'm online on on uh, Stack Overflow or something or, or Reddit, and somebody says, "Oh, Flutter is easy," and I, I kind of chime in like, like, "Well, it's easy if you have a background in in these particular areas, but." If you're coming in cold, like if you're a new developer and you've never written a line of program, a line of software, and you want to write a Flutter app, this I would recommend it, but I would say that there's a bit of a learning curve to to wrap your head around. I don't know. Like uh, I did a lot of web when I was when I was younger. I feel like an old man right now. Uh, quite a few years ago, when I first started off in my career, and um, I kind of would equate Flutter building mobile apps as kind of like Rails when you could build. Okay. Uh, web applications. Have you done Rails before or no? I haven't done Rails, but uh, when I was I was teaching Flutter at the community college there, and um, and one of the one of the students picked it up really fast, and I said, "How are you, how are you picking this up so fast?" And he said, "Well, he was be doing some React development." And he's like, "Oh, it's just like React. It has stateful widgets, stateless widgets, and and he actually started. He said, "I'm now porting all my React stuff to Flutter um, because he just he he liked it more." Yeah, I I mean I did some React a while ago. Uh I don't feel it's so straightforward compared to some other stuff, but I think when I'm talking about Rails in this case, I don't know what may make sense for you, is like you don't really have to learn Ruby in order to write a Rails application. You kinda of, and, and the framework is so simple. You maybe don't write a web app that is like hundred percent performant, but you can write something and you can get it going and you can sell it or whatever right you like there was a huge flurry of people making startups when rails first came out right that's why rails became so popular mm-hmm. same thing with with flutter right i did not learn very much dart at all in fact i learned nothing i just picked up flutter if that even makes sense like what a widget is and then some simple widgets and i started going only after i started to realize that hmm, i don't quite understand what this thing is doing i need to like learn more about dart and learn more about flutter that's when I started to to get more into it and start learning about state management. And I, otherwise, I I mean, I just do stateful widget everywhere, right? Uh, when we first started off, like, but stateful widget can get you a long way, right? That's not yeah. And, and when we get into talking about MVVM, that's that's one of the things I was gonna build on is a stateful widgets, uh, kind of the cornerstone of a lot of state management. That's actually what one of us actually trying to get into right now was actually start leading into what this is all about, which is. Uh, your state management, right? So maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about how you started off, what you played around with, what didn't work, what did work, etc. I'll let you kind of handle that. Feel free to keep going. <laughs> Just signal to me when you're when you're ready. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and it's 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 pretty. It surprised me actually how I I wound up writing a state management package. Um, the the little history of it is so three years ago when I was learning Flutter. Um, the Flutter team was pushing provider. Um, you know, it's in their documentation. We watch the videos, and the reason they like provider is they'd say it was kind of closer to the the Flutter metal. 
So like a lot of developers, I just started using provider and then, and, and as I mentioned, when I started learning Flutter, I didn't, I came into it cold and, and when I was using stateful widgets, I, I didn't understand, I didn't understand the stateful widget. It's because as you know, it's basically two, two classes. The stateful widget has a generic or creates a state class. So in the stateful widget, you have your immutable data and then, in, and then it, then the flutter framework calls the create state function, which creates a state class, state instance. And that has your immutable data and your immutable states and it has your UI. Uh, so it has your build function. And then, and that's where the performance comes from. So that state class gets put on the, the element tree and your stateful widget stays on the, the widget tree. So the stateful part gets, you know, get regenerated, but the, the state, the state instance only gets regenerated if you specifically tell it to by calling set state. Um, so I was using that and I was using working with provider and provider, as you probably know, um, it has, you put the widget on the, the change notifier provider widget on the widget tree, and then you give it a builder for a uh, custom change notifier. And so you extend the change notifier class and you put in any states that you want to share in that class. And so when I was using Stateful Widget and I was using Provider, a lot of times I was finding I was dividing, I was doing one thing, but I was dividing my states between two places. And so I started working towards like, well, why don't I just, I, can't, I have to put the stuff in the, the um, provider change notifier. So why don't I take all these um, states that are in my stateful widget state instance and put those in my change notifier. Uh, and then I move that and then I was like, well, I can move my business logic in there too. And so I move everything into the change notifier class. And then, so, and it was nice because now all my all my business logic, all my states are in this one um, this one class, and it's easy to test with unit tests, and it just worked out really well. And then, and then I was looking at the stateful widget, and I say, well, I don't have any states anymore in my stateful widget, so this can now be a stateless widget. And so, I kind of picked up that pattern and just started using it, and. And it was working really well for me. I, my my project was growing quite large, and I just found it really a nice organization for the code. the The states and the, the the business logic were always in this kind of lightweight class. And then and then the other bonus was the stateless widgets um, were very lightweight too. They were just it was just the Flutter rendering part. And and it's kind of a side. I was so I was doing this. It's working well for me, but I was still pretty new to Flutter at the time. And I was like, "Is this is this wrong? Like, is this a is this an anti pattern, or is there something wrong about doing it this way?" So I posted on um, uh, Stack Overflow um, just what I was doing. I say, "Is is this is am I missing something? Is this a, is this an anti pattern?" And um, Remy, uh, jumped on it, the, the developer of provider and Riverpod. He's like, no, you can, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, you don't have to do it. It doesn't, you don't, it doesn't mean you have to use stateless widgets, but if you want to, that's fine. And the funny thing is when I posted it, it was the kind of open question that, uh, stack overflow users don't really like sometimes where, to say like there's no technical question here and they give it a thumbs down and tell you this is more of a Reddit question. Um, but actually I just checked before uh, we came online and it's gotten 5,000 views and uh, had 20 kind of upvotes that people, so it just seemed like people were kind of migrating towards the same pattern. And I even found somebody who almost verbatim asked the same question on, a, on Stack Overflow as well. Um, so, so yeah, so that's what I was doing. And then, and then, and then, so I'm using this pattern and then I just realized that, oh, I just 
reinvented MVVM, MVVM, um, the, the stateless widget would be the, so, so MVVM, as you know, stands for model view, view model. And the idea is you have a, a typically an immutable, immutable view class and, uh, a view model class or a model class that's that's heavily coupled to it. Um, and then, so that's what I kind of indirectly or accidentally kind of reinvented. So my, and what I started doing in my code is I would name my stateless widgets, I would append the view name to it. And then uh, the change notifier class, I would append the view model to it. And so they were heavily coupled together under a single change notifier provider. So, and then for the model part, I'd have another provider typically higher up the widget tree that would provide the, the model part of the MVVM pattern. So, so I was doing that, it was working really well for me. Um, and then about a year ago, I got hired by uh, Enzo Wealth, a FinTech company out of New York. And they were using the block pattern. And so I obviously heard about block and kind of read a few blogs about it, but I'd never used it. And so had to ramp up on block um, and and uh, work for them for nine months. And I just, I, I kind of never got block. Um, like I, like I understood the, um, like the block listeners and how you try to manage your states and, uh, how to emit states and things like that. But I just, it was just a lot of, I was a lot slower than using my kind of MVVM pattern. And so, so did that for nine months and then um, joined uh, CMIC out of Toronto three months ago. Um, and so took a couple of weeks off between just kind of recharge my batteries before moving on to CMIC. And said, so, you know, I'm going to take this couple of weeks and kind of dig into dig into state management, kind of because provider provider was doing what I needed it to do, but there's also some well known limitations of provider that Remy's now addressing with with RiverPod. Um, so so I, I knew I couldn't, I, and and I, I kind of and I run into those some of those limitations as well, and. So, so, okay, I can't really use provider anymore. Not a huge fan of block. Um, let, let me, let me kind of look into this MVVM part a little bit more. So I looked for some packages out there. Uh, they didn't really resonate with me. And then, and then I started like doing some tests and, and what I found uh, was that I could create my own custom widget that was uh, at the, uh, I could, that had a view called the view and, and that it had a heavily coupled um, view model class and that I could create this widget just by extending stateful widget. So stateful widget and, and kind of when I was done, I was like, oh yeah, like stateful widget has everything I need for MVVM. The only problem with stateful widget from an MVVM standpoint is that it puts the UI in the states in the state class. So it, it, it mangles the two together. And for true MVVM, you want a delineation between your UI and your, your states. So if you take the build function from the stateful widget state class and just move that into the stateful widget portion, then you effectively have MVVM at that point. Your state class would now have just your states and your business logic. And your stateful widget class would have your immutable states and your immutable build function. And so, so with 60 lines of code, I extended stateful widget into a view class that's a generic class that, um, that has a view model builder. And so I wrote a um, Medium article about it and I, I called it uh, how to extend a stateful widget into an MVVM workhorse. And so um, I put that on Flutter Dev and I was surprised how much attention it got. It got something like on the first day, it got something like 31 upvotes. And when I kind of scroll down, like a typical article 
posted there might get like a half a dozen or something like that. And it generated an interesting conversation afterwards. Um, one of the first person who responded said like, why are you doing this when you could just use Riverbot? And then, so I just kind of politely said, well, you know, Riverbot is not for everybody. And, and MVVM has been around for, I, I looked this up recently, uh, like 20 years, like M Martin Fowler developed his presentation pattern. And then, and then Microsoft about 20 years ago with uh, WPF, like developed MVVM and they uh, put it out in a blog in 2005. So it's been around for 20 years. Other people followed up with, um, in my, in my post there said, um, I'm coming from Android and I don't understand Flutter and I miss MVVM and I'm going to take this code and, and use this. Um, so now that Flutter is, is moving onto desktop where you have Microsoft people or developers writing, using WPF and these other MVVM platforms, some of them might be coming to Flutter saying kind of like where I was, where I'm not a fan of these stateful widgets, a kind of a necessary evil, I miss MVVM. And so that, that was the motivation behind putting it out, putting up on pub.dev. I'm, I'm still, it's still so difficult for me to understand MVVM, like, because like I, I look at it and I feel like it's really so similar to MVC where you have still something in the middle between the model and the view. It, it's very similar to MVC. Um, and it's, it's funny that you say you don't understand MVVM because I don't feel like I understand MVC. Um, so MVVM, MVVM, the, it's very strict that the, your view only is allowed to talk to your view model and your view models can only talk to your models. So it's very linear. And on the MVVM plus package and in the article I mentioned, I have a little plot that, that shows that. And so it's very linear, very, very, very simple. And my understanding of MVC, it's more of like a triangle that the, and correct me if I'm wrong, since you, you understand it better than I do, but like the view can also talk to the model or, and then the controller is a little, yeah. How, how does that vary from MVC? It sounds so similar because uh, for MVC, uh, obviously the user would interact with the view. The view will talk to the controller, the controller will talk to the model, and then it goes back down. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, this back and forth thing. As I said, it sounds so similar where you, where you would have that. I mean, the only problem is that like sometimes some frameworks like they they let you do stuff with the model, right? But it but to me it's always that there's this clear separation where it's, you know, the view talks to the controller, controller talks to the model and the model and the view and the controller will take that model and then give it back to the view to to, to render. And so I said it it sounds so similar when I when I read about it. And so I'm like, what is the point of MVVM if you already have MVC? It just seems like the C and the the VM is just they're so similar. It's hard for me to really get what's going on and why it's so different. I I, I agree that they are very similar. I think my limited my limited um, understanding of MVC. I, I think the other possibly possible difference between MVVM and MVC is that the view model class of MVVM is very tightly um, coupled and, and Fowler called it the presentation class where it presents data that's very specific to that particular view. So you would never have a, for example, you never have a, a view model that had two views. Um, there's always that one-to-one -one correlation. Um, and it's, it reminds me of the stateful widget where you, you'd never, you, your stateful widget always has a state and those two classes are tied together. It doesn't make sense for a stateful widget of two states. It doesn't make sense for a state to be by itself. They're heavily, they're, they're almost one in the same, except they're just, there's a delineation between the two on what goes where. Um, the same is true for MVVM. The, there's always one view, one view model. They, they only care about each other in, in that kind of pipeline. And then the view model also like talks to the model in the background. 
And, and when I read up on MVC, my understanding I've seen examples where they'll have a controller with like, and the controllers can correct me if I'm wrong, but the controllers can get pretty large, um, and, and handle more than one kind of view. Um, but I, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I was mostly exposed to MVC from, from rails and, uh, yeah, like you have a controller that handles say users and then you'd have the typical CRUD operations for a user. Um, and every action or function would have a separate view for it. So did MVC have that one-to-one where you'd have one controller for one view? One controller for one resource. Okay. Yeah. And then that controller would handle basically the CRUD operations for that resource. Okay. So all, whenever you're dealing with users and you would handle it all with that one controller, um, I don't know if that, that makes sense or not. I, I'm just very strictly speaking from like a Rails uh, understanding. How that does it in a regular application, I mean, maybe it's it's different. I mean, I really only hear about MVVM when it comes to JavaScript and these kind of uh, WPF and these kinds of, I don't know, they're Java-esque kind of frameworks mm-hmm. where, you know, they're quite big. So you're saying like for MV, so for, you're saying for a view model that those are like, one particular view has one particular view model and that's it. You can never use the same view model for anything else. Is that correct? Yeah, typically that's how that works. I mean, occasionally you'll find a situation where the a different view might have the, the same presentation data, so you could reuse that to some code reuse, but but it wouldn't have two views at once. Okay. Yeah, I think that that maybe kind of makes it a little bit more clear. I think I need to do a little bit more kind of research because yeah, MVVM is really a popular style. I'm kind of surprised that. Mm, I must be other people talking about MVVM within Flutter, but I don't hear too much recently. Like everybody's still talking about Riverpod rather than anything else. Yeah, for sure. Um, it doesn't, MVVM doesn't seem to get a lot of love in the, the Flutter community. Um, doesn't get kind of a whole lot of attention. But I think people who come from a different background uh, using MVVM uh, miss it when they get to Flutter. And, and and those are the people explicitly looking for it. But if you've never used it, I think it's a situation where if you've never used MVVM, why would you want to? Like, why would you go looking for it? You know, it's like you go to the website and say, what's the most popular um, state management package, which is what I did. And said, you know, there's a lot of love for Riverpod and a lot of love for Block. And so I'm going to look between those two and pick one. So, and I, and I looked at both of those and just didn't have a lot of love for either one. So I think that could be because a lot of people who come to Flutter, Dart actually is their first language or Flutter is their first framework. And I think a lot of people is like that, or they just kind of went with the flow and then Flutter just kind of what it was, what it was. And I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I feel like most people who come to Flutter are this is their first one so they have no what you call baggage right they just kind of come in with an open mind and make up stuff as 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 the things happen right i mean is, is that how you also see it too like you see you basically kind of said something similar right yeah for sure and that's that's certainly what i did i came into flutter and just started using provider and it you know did what i thought it needed to do but then uh and and cmic where i'm at now they're they're early adopters of flutter and they also started using provider early on too. And like my app is, is the, and it's great to start when you have a small app and it's really simple to use and the learning curve is small, but um, some of the limitations start to get in the way when you have a bigger architecture. Um, so yeah. And then you start looking around for another man- state management package. It seems to be a common path. Yeah. And, and I also find kind of interesting, like, it seems like a lot of people recently start off with provider and then they move on to something else. I don't know. I guess it's like provider never gives you enough out of the box. And I'm not quite sure why that is for so many people. Yeah. For the one, the one limitation I was running into is providers built on inherited widgets, as you know, so your data kind of lives on the widget tree and for 98% of use cases, that's great. But then when you're, 
um, routing is is such that you're you need data on another branch. Um, it becomes a challenge how to how to do that. Um, and then the other thing is I was, and I didn't know about like get it and stuff when I came into um, Flutter originally. And so was doing what a lot of people did, which is for their single services for those kind of models that you only need one instance of. I was just putting it at the top of the widget tree. Uh, so it was available for the whole app. And then, which is which works great when you have a small app, but then as your app gets bigger and bigger, you wind up with this kind of chain of providers at the top and and it still works. It's just a, a bit messy. And so, so one of the things I do with MVVM is with MVVM plus is um, I st when I started writing it. So I, I did that little experiment and I published the medium article and kind of like, still like, Hey, check this out. And then, um, and then I started working on it as a package um, partly because I just liked it, but also really for my own use, I knew uh, this is what I was going to use moving forward. And the kind of the big aha was like, man, if I had had this three years ago when I started writing my app, it would have just made things so much easier. So as I started writing it, I um, realized that I needed the stateful widget part that we just talked about, but I also needed like a locator to get states uh, that are either higher in the widget tree or whatever. Um, and I had been using uh, GetUp since uh, Get It since then, and. Um, Realize that the, the simplicity of, of single services was kind of nice where you have a, a global registry where you register a model might be kind of a, um, uh, an interface to your back end or, and it's just easily available. It's a global uh, registry, so you can get it from anywhere in your widget tree. And, and the other thing is I was realizing and with, with my development was a lot of the data that I was putting on the, widget tree was actually single services. Like I would put a, chain, a provider widget on the widget tree, but it would be the data model would be for you, like the profile, the profile editor data. And that was only ever live on the, the widget tree once. And it was kind of the, the presentation um, model for, for the presentation state for the whole feature. So there was really no reason for it to be on the widget tree. It could be in just a simple global registry. So as I was writing MVVM plus, I was like, oh, I, a nice way to do a, a locator would be to, with this global registry, the way get it works. But instead of, instead of manually managing the registry, I could put uh, the, a widget on the widget tree that actually instantiated the, so use la lazy in, uh, initialization. And so, so the short story is it, my um, locator ended up looking a lot like the provider um, change notifier provider where it lived on the widget tree. But when that widget got built and you went to reach for the data, it was actually going to a global registry. So when the widget got put on the widget tree, the, the lazy initializer was added to the registry. When you actually pulled the data, it got it got initialized. And then when that feature, when the user clicked out of that feature and the feature was pulled off the widget tree, the the widget was pulled off the widget tree. And as it as it um, was um, dispatched, it would go to the registry and pull the data off the registry as well. So the registry, this global registry, became more dynamic where it was tied to the the widget tree and as widgets as my my so I ended up calling the package registrar because as these registrar widgets were added to the widget tree then it would register in the registry and then when they were pulled off it would kind of come up so it worked it worked great and so as I was writing MVVM plus I realized I was actually writing two packages and that it'd probably be a good idea to separate them in case somebody else wanted to use this this registrar package as well. And then, so I developed that and it was just a good exercise just to keep them as separate packages as well. It kind of kept the, the architecture a lot cleaner. And so as a result, MVVM plus, I counted it a couple of days ago. It's like, it's less than 200 lines of code, not counting documentation. Um, it's a really lightweight package. 
which was for two reasons. One, it was, it didn't have to be heavyweight. And also I just wanted to make a concerted effort to keep the learning curve as small as possible. And so I kind of talk in the introduction or the lead in documentation that it, I'm just extending existing flutter classes and I add three uh, methods to them. One is, one is get, one is listen to, and the other is build view. And so you really just have to learn these three methods. And there are things that, that kind of that provider was already doing, but I just kind of made them a little more explicit. Um, so, and, and so the last kind of thing, so I had registrar though it uses global registry. And then I, I realized that, well, there, there will be the odd times where you need um, multiple instances of the same data and that the provider approach worked really quite well. Um, so I added a feature to registrar um, that you could, when you added the, the registrar widget to the widget tree, you could specify whether it was, you wanted the data to live on the widget tree or you want to live in the global registry. So then I kind of said, well, it's not really a registrar anymore because it deals with more than um, one location. So I renamed, so I, with Flutter, you can't, with pub.dev, you can't rename a package. So I'm going to retire registrar and I just released um, by locator. So the idea is it, it you can locate your, your models in two places, a global registry when you need just a single service or you can put it on the widget tree where you need more of an inherited widget kind of approach. And it uses the same get and listen to functions. Um, the only difference is if you're going to the registry to get a single service, you don't have to provide a context because uh, it's just going to the global registry. But if you're looking up your data from an inherited widget, then you just give it a context and then it just runs up the widget tree until it finds the the widget just the way provider does. So that solved my biggest issue with provider, which was just kind of, it didn't have the get it functionality that I was looking for. Um, and it couldn't reach across like a widget tree. And, and the one last thing I'll say about bilocator is that for that odd time where you have several widgets of the same type on the widget tree, but then say you want to fire up an editor to edit one of them. And that editor is going to fire up on a different branch of the widget tree. So it needs access to that register. You can, um, by locator has a function where you can actually have it exist on both the widget tree and the global registry at the same time so that the editor can, can find it, do what it needs to do. And then when it's done, it just unregisters it and it goes effectively back to the widget tree. Okay. Yeah, I know that's definitely one of the problems with, is it pro I know for sure block with Flutter block provider has this problem. I'm guessing provider has the same issue. Like you said, you can only find by type. You can have find by specific instance, right? Uh, that's, that's my understanding. Yeah. So with block provider, correct me if I'm wrong. That's actually, it uses provider under the hood. Yeah, so that's why I want to make sure is the problem with block provider or provider itself, and then it seems like provider itself. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and using block at my previous company, I would run into those same situations where we would create a new branch and we'd need data that was provided on one branch, but but non accessible in the other branch. So even with block, I was kind of running into the wait. Provider is still kind of haunting me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still using Block for most things, but I heard the new version of RiverPod coming out is supposed to be really good, but I haven't had a chance to take a look at it. Um, have you taken a look at it yet? I, I haven't. I've, I've looked at um, just kind of briefly, and, and at CMIC, they actually use uh, RiverPod, so I'm going to have to ramp up on it uh, pretty shortly, but but now I haven't really kind of done the deep dive yet. Now, is are you uh, also using MVAVM in any production apps or just for fun or not production yet i i have that that large app that i've been kind of working on as a side project so i'm migrating that to um mvvm plus it, at cmic i am working on a small standalone app that i am implementing that using uh, mvvm plus for that too but but it, it it's not it hasn't reached production yet yeah do you know anybody who actually is using it in production uh, no, it's, it's gotten like nine likes so far. Um, and 
but I haven't I haven't been talking to the people that are they're downloading it and using it. Okay. Usually, well, the best I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure you must know this because I think you've been programming longer than me. Because uh, well, number one, I've never actually written. Actually, no, I've I've written basic, but once in my life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was uh, for a class we had called "Build Your Own Evil Robot Army," and you had to use basic to program the chips. <laughs> we were building robots, but um, what was I going to say? The one way that you know that people are actually using your stuff is when they start making GitHub issues and complaining about how things don't work. Then you yeah. know they're using it. Yeah. Especially the more frustrated they are, then then the more likely they've already, you know, dug deep into it and using it very deeply, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, this is cool. Like we were just talking before the show about how there's just more and more. Or were we talking during the show? I don't remember. We've been talking for like over an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember we talked before about like how recently there's more and more like um, uh, state management solutions out there. And uh, so it's it's good to hear. Like, I don't know if, if more choices is better or not. Like people say it's good, but after a while, it's kind of like, when you the one of the things I hate going out to eat is when you go to a restaurant and they give you tons of menus or a giant menu and you don't yeah. know what to eat. So to me, I'm getting a little bit like that where it's like, I don't know what I want. I'll stick to vanilla <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I know what I'm in for with vanilla. Yeah, for sure. Um when one of the interesting things with the with MVVM plus was when I finished it, I went back to PubDev to see. So if you go into PubDev and you just type MVVM, um, you will get, uh, I want to say like a half dozen or a dozen packages where people um, either explicitly developed MVVM or, or kind of reference it in their description. And the there is a package called MVVM. And when I, so after I finished mine, I looked at at the source code for that and they, they did the exact same thing I did. They extended stateful widget and and created a view and a view model class um so it was it was reassuring to see um like i, I you can have it when you see when you see that you can either have the the moment that like oh no i just kind of recreated the wheel uh i thought i had invented this and i saw somebody else did it but i had the opposite reaction i was actually reassured that somebody kind of took the exact same approach and and I think the MVVM package has maybe like 40 or 50 likes. Um, so people are clearly using that package. Um, it's a little more, uh, it has a bigger API than mine. Um, and, and I'm not, not sure that's um, necessary, but I, I would, for any listeners, I would, uh, if you're looking into this, certainly check out that one too. And then um, uh, on Twitter, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but there's a, uh, guy Wolfenra, and he released a package he called Stateless, and he um, and it's one of his first line is it. He's a really interesting guy. You can tell he's super smart, and he said under no conditions use this in production. And I think he's because he's he's depending on some kind of underpinnings and Flutter that aren't necessarily not aren't aren't necessarily going to be there in the future. Uh, so it could break. Um, but the interesting part about his stateless package is he effectively took the MVVM approach of he ex in the same approach that me and this other developer did, where he extended stateful widget, um, created a widget from that that's stateless, uh, that, that's the name of his package, and then um, has a, a separate um, model where he keeps all his his states. So he he didn't call it MVVM, but it, as far as I can tell, he, he's also doing the MVVM pattern. So it's just it's interesting that the three of us and there's probably more people are kind of uh, recoding the wheel, uh, kind of coming to the same conclusion that with a little uh, syntactic sugar added to the stateful widget class, you can um, come up with a quite nice. It's a very small state management package. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll have to to check into this to see. Could be interesting. Yeah, I don't think I have any more questions. I mean, we really went quite deep into state management and answered quite a few questions of mine. Oh, good. Uh, is there anything else that you want people to know or anything you want them to, to check out? 
Uh, no, I, I agree. I, I, it was a, a good conversation. I, I learned some stuff too. Um, so yeah, that, thanks for having me on and I, I appreciate what you do. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you you coming on and talking to us about your package, right? Again, and I, I feel like idea is like, what the heck is MVVM? And I'm a little bit surprised that you don't know what is MVC. So, you know, that's the one thing I'm actually quite surprised about when I bring guests on. It's like some things I think are so basic because of my background, right? There's nothing against you. It's just my background. I've worked with MVC. I haven't worked too much with MVVM. So I feel MVC is so simple. Um, MVVM, I don't understand the word. It's like you have the exact opposite feeling. Um, and I've had this conversation with people where it's like, I thought something so basic and they, they've never heard of it or, or have no idea about it. So it's, it's always interesting to exchange ideas. Yeah, for sure. You always, you, you have that clicking moment, right? Where you're working with something and it makes no sense. And then suddenly it all clicks and makes sense. So it's nice to, nice to talk to people where they had that clicking moment and they can, they can enlighten you on it. Yeah, when when I first got introduced to Block, I it never clicked. I was like, "This is stupid. What? Why so complicated?" And then, I don't know. I watched a couple of videos and played around with it, and I'm like, "This this is so much better for me, at least, right?" Mm -hmm. So as opposed to you, where you're like, "I still don't get it." Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's it's funny how estate management has just it's almost turned into just a personal choice. Like that with a lot of other architectures, you can kind of say, "Well, this is better. Or this isn't better." And, this does this and this doesn't do this and you can kind of bullet point it, but with state management, I don't, I don't fully understand it. It just some, some packages click with developers and others don't. Um, and, and every now and again on, on social media with this stuff, you'll see somebody say, I wish the flutter team would just develop a, a state management package and put it out there to put this whole state management conversation to rest. And I don't think it would do that. I think it would just kind of, some people would gravitate towards it. And some people would say, no, I like Block or I like Riverpod or MVVM or, or whatever. It's just, it's it's very personal. And, and, and I guess the other thing I would say to those people is they kind of already did do that um, with Provider. Um, and so that was, you know, and then, so here we are today with, with um, you know, Remy's moving on to Riverpod and he's going to retire provider and um yeah it's an interestingly personal choice yeah that's also what i heard i was like were they retired provider because i think i talked to him in the past and he was kind of saying it wasn't a, I, I know he said he wasn't going to retire it so soon but i think maybe he did mention he was going to eventually get rid of it for like he made some choices and thought it wasn't so smart that's why he's got river pod right I have to watch this presentation. It's I'm curious to see what he has to say. And yeah, like you like you said, it's true. Actually, yeah, Google did say, hey, use this. But uh, I think I asked Chris Sells about this, and he said that it's not like use this or don't use anything. It was kind of like, no, if you didn't choose one, this is what we recommend. That was their reply. They're always very cautious, right? And I don't know, for me, I'm not that kind of person. I think you can tell that's my style, right? It's like I'm very opinionated. Um, for them, they're like, they don't want to step out of it. No, no, there's no good or bad state management. There's just the kind that you like to use, right? Yeah, Which is yeah, exactly. And I, I like to think that that they knew that early on and so put out stateful widget and put out um, like the change notifier and inherited widget and kind of said, here you go. And let's see what you can do with it. And so it was, I think, I, I suspect intentionally non-committal on state man management and just kind of gave people the tools to build their own. And But I, that's that's a guess on my part. Yeah, I mean, it is all just kind of building upon Flutter and Dart principles. So you can build your own. I mean, you built your own, right? So there's nothing outrageous about it. We had a guest on here who actually has a blog article about how to build your own state uh, management solution that's quite recently have you have you heard that and read that article i haven't seen that one i'll have to check it out i can't remember the guest's name now it was just like two or three episodes ago i think yeah okay i'll check it out and was he was was the instruction on how to develop block like the underpinnings of block or i think it was just basically any of them give me a second sounds like i should have listened to that before i wrote mine <laughs> what i again don't don't kind of 
Mirror at the Wheel or whatever, but I believe his was all about how did like what's the, under all of them kind of thing. Creator. So the creator, the creator of the creator state management solution has got an article about it. Yeah, I'll check it out. The Terry. Terry Terry Leon. L-I-A-N-G. Mm-hmm. He's got a blog article where he talks about it. So it's quite cool. He used to work at Lyft. Yeah, I'll check it out. Awesome. Cool. Uh, if nothing else, then I really appreciate your time. I think we spent, we have a recording for about over an hour together, but I think we spent two hours together already. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure it's time for your work, right? Yeah. All right. Again, thank you for your time. I hope to see you again soon and see what's going on for MPVM. And maybe I'll change my mind about if this is uh, maybe, I always say that uh, maybe someday I'll change the one I'm using. I'm still using block. I haven't changed yet, but maybe someday I'll change. Yeah, well, you're you're not alone. It's 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 a popular package. <clears throat> yeah, and th- and thank you again, Alan, for having me on. It's been fun. Hopefully, see you again. Yep, sounds good. <laughs>